Hi, dear listener. Zach here. I'm proud of the work we did on Call of Discovery and Keyforge Public Radio, and last year I took my love of podcasts full-time with my company, Rooster High Productions. If you know someone with a business who wants to broadcast their expertise through podcasts and derived social media marketing, send them my way to Zach at RoosterHigh.com. Thank you so much. Welcome to Call of Discovery, the podcast where we talk about Keyforge, its community, and the excitement of Discovery. I am somehow still here as one of your humble co-hosts, Zach Armstrong. That's right, and I am joined, as always, by the man across the ocean. He's still across the ocean. He's very far away, and it makes me sad sometimes, but we have this podcast. It's Ed Pocock. How are you, Ed? Hello, Zach. I'm doing well, thank you. I'm doing well, and um, I, I haven't started swimming yet. I, I, I'm not going to brave the waters until spring. I hope that's okay. Mm. Yes, yes. Uh, I will stand out on the coast looking forlornly over the ocean until then. <laughs> until whatever the result of you attempting to swim the Atlantic Ocean is. <laughs> it's probably not going to be a good one, is it? Uh, uh, yeah, that's um, that's going to be a very sad news story. My goodness. <laughs> so uh, we, uh, on much happier notes, we have uh, Steve Hamilton back. Uh, he goes by uh, Balance Sheet as, as an illustrator, but he is an art director with FFG. If you haven't listened to our previous episode with him on, uh, make sure you do that as we got to dive into uh, the world of art direction with FFG and what it looks like for Keyforge in particular, and it was an awful lot of fun. So, Steve, thank you so much uh, for coming back and bringing a deck with you this time. Well, thanks again for having me back. I can't wait to share this with you guys. Yeah, of course, of course. And uh, without further ado, what's the name of this deck and uh, what what is your story behind it? Okay, the deck is Bastian el Esceptico del Chamizo. I have no idea what that means, even though I speak Spanish. Um, <laughs> it right. was it was a gift actually from a member of the Keyforge community, who he had heard that I wanted Spanish Keyforge decks down in Mexico, where I'm at, and it's very hard to get them. So he was absolutely wonderful, and he actually sent me a whole box of Spanish decks that he'd had to order from Spain to get to me. And it was just a really wonderful gift, and I'm super grateful for that. I don't know if he wanted me to mention his name or not, so I won't say anything there. But sure, he did tell me when he when I got the cards, he told me if there's any really good packets in there, don't tell me, please. <laughs> and <laughs> there was one really good one in there. <laughs> oh, I don't know if he knows that or not, but I'm either way, I'm super grateful to have it. It's just so much fun to play with, and having it in Spanish is just icing on the cake because I can use it down here with the the kids and teenagers that I play with on occasion, and I just completely destroy them. <laughs> it's the deck that I pull out when I've had a bad day and I just want to kill something. <laughs> Brilliant. As in their hope of winning. Um, <laughs> uh, just looking at Google Translate, um, uh, it, it, it has indeed detected the language, and it says, 
the English translation would be Bastian, the skeptic of the camiso. Yeah, what the heck is a camiso? I, I don't know. I really don't know. Another mystery of the crucible. Yeah, it must be. It must be. Yet to be solved. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. Um, so tell us, um, what are the houses in this deck and, and uh, what really makes it sing? Okay, this is a Worlds Collide deck with Logos, Sarian, and Untamed. And this is actually the only good Untamed deck that I've personally played with. Between the three houses here, it's probably the slightly towards the weaker one, so I'll start with that. But it has one very powerful little tool in it, uh, a Legacy Nepenthe Seed that has shown up in Worlds Collide. And it is so much fun to have around because there's a lot of cards here that I'll need to be able to recur for maximum effect, or if I'm in trouble, I can just pull them out of my garbage with that thing. So I've also got a mimicry and an unnatural selection, which are awesome to have in there. So great for responding to different kinds of threats and a decent lineup of different untamed creatures, Inca the spider, imprinted Mermook, uh, most of the other stuff there's just there to be destroyed by the neutron shark when I get to that. But I love having that seed, loving having the mimicry in there. Moving on to Sarian, I have the awesome combo of ancient power, city-state interest, or rather city-state interest into ancient power, and double tribute, of course, two Shrixes and a Scutum. So my main play with that is usually, obviously, put the Scutum on somebody, tribute onto it, and just watch my opponent flail helplessly while all this money is gone. Or, of course, the city-state interest, ancient power, and everything's warded and their money is gone. I love it. Wow. And in Logos, I have not one, not two, but three daughters, three beautiful daughters. And if I feel like I want a fourth daughter, I just play my Mimic Gel, which can <laughs> potentially get me, and it's, it has happened several times, 10-card draws. <laughs> I really love that. I could cycle so quickly, and my opponent's just watching my hand get bigger and bigger and they have to keep trying to smash my daughters, but they'll, they'll pop up again pretty frequently. And then a neutron shark, of course, to screw everybody over if I need to. A few yeah. other nice little tools there, but yeah, love those daughters, love those tricks, love the tributes, love the mimicry, mimic gel, Nepenthe. See, there's just so much good stuff here. And it's a yeah. blast to play with just watching my opponent get frustrated or watching them rush for a lot of ember and their pile gets bigger and bigger. And I'm just smiling over here because I got two tributes or cutthroat researches and I can take that so far down. Yeah, that's brilliant. Uh, yeah, having the it's the three daughters and the mimic gel for a potential that you've got the full Meg, Joe, Beth and Amy there, uh, <laughs> which is always fun to see in Worlds Collide. Yeah, daughter's no mother, but having three of them is pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah, certainly, certainly. Yeah, this this is a lot of just worlds collide, just a lot of worlds collide goodness. You've even got Jar Goggle for Jar Goggle shenanigans, and you can kill it with Neutron Shark to just play something out of house. The the Legacy Nippenthe, the Mimicry. Wow, yeah, there's there's a lot of fun tricks this deck has. It, it is not short on tricks, that's for sure. That's for sure. Uh, in, in playing this deck, uh, have there been kinds of decks it tends to have problems with? It looks pretty strong overall, so I'm wondering. I'm wondering if it's uh, if uh, what what is Achilles' heel is. Well, to be fair, I haven't gotten as many reps as I might have liked 
to have with this just because of how busy I've been lately. Oh, of course, of course. The only person I've played with consistently is my brother who has a 84 SAS stick just under mine. And it's so annoying to play against, but uh, he had that deck for a long time and I kept throwing all my best decks at him and nothing could get through. And finally Bastian beat him and it felt so good. Uh, no, I haven't had as many reps as I'd like, unfortunately, but I'm curious to see what your guys' impression are as to what would be a decks I should watch out for with a lineup like this. Yeah, well, this deck, um, what I like about this deck is you can open usually with at least one daughter, like with three of them, it's, it's, it's not a bad strategy to just, to just, uh, make sure you have a daughter in the opening hand to get to get some speed and um to really just try to get to the first key or two before the opponent and then just as soon as they're actually making amber um hopefully you've you've been stashing a tribute or two in your hand with the imperial scutum or you you finagle it so that shrix is the most powerful creature so they have to try to answer that maybe it's um and then maybe you tuck it behind the brutadon after you play tribute like uh yeah yeah i think um now nothing comes to mind specifically i think it would take some playing to to know what this deck weaknesses are i'm i'm sure it has them it looks a little bit uh it looks a, maybe a little low on uh creature removal you've got yeah. a couple of creatures that are big enough to to swing uh, but not a ton of them you do have neutron shark and unnatural selection, which are both very good removal. Um, but if you haven't seen them and somebody is is uh, being very oppressive with maybe like uh, a protected anguish or a protected ember imp or something, um, and you're unable to deal with that, that might be uh, that might be an issue just because there's not a ton of direct creature removal. Yeah, I, I think I've had situations where I've had issues with that. But when you brought up the Shrix thing, yeah, that, that's my favorite thing to do. It's not easy because I have the... <laughs> The ex Brutadon Auxiliary and Oduak and a few other little things that I have to watch out for. But if I, if I play my cards right and Shrix is the one out there at the right time, I put the Skewdom on it, double tribute. Thank you for the money. You need to kill this now. And right. if I can ward it, <laughs> if I can ward it with Ancient Power or Imperium or Hologramophone, I got so many ways to ward it. That's even better. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> watch <laughs> out. This Senator is about to spend all your money on their own key. <laughs> Oh, that's perfect. I never thought about it that way. <laughs> right? <laughs> the senator has taken your money. You paid them tribute. <laughs> and now they're going to go succeed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we all know how that worked out in the next set. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, th this is true. This is true. They did. Senator Shrix did lose the election after that. That's very true. And that's why everyone should uh, know the line between tax avoidance and tax evasion. Um. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's Ed's other podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely not. Please don't come after me. Right. He um. uses a voice changer and everything. <laughs> um so uh changing the subject, Steve, uh um I, I I when you look at a deck, does the art in that deck, does that play a role in how you feel about that deck? And are there any art pieces in this deck that really stand out to you? That's a good question. I'd feel like if I had a deck that was really crazy strong, but the art was all garbage. <laughs> I don't know if I'd want to use it that much. 
um, or I'd feel particularly attached to it per se. For these cards, let me take a quick look. Daughter, I really like how that artist pulled Daughter off. It's well composed, the palette's on point, and it's very well rendered. Daughter's good. Uh, I love Titan Guardian, just the presence and the power it feels. Yeah, same. Such a great piece of art. That guy knocked it out of the park. Uh, let's see here. Tribute, that's a gorgeous looking card. And the artist for Shrix is phenomenal. I love her a lot. It's just a, so well done. And I think that was the first card she did for FFG. She knocked it out of the park there. Yeah. And Tribute and Shrix both really give, um, and I think credit to, you know, the art directors here, uh, that like Tribute really uh, feels like it reflects the mechanical effect um, very specifically. Like you're commanding the the, the donation of Amber uh, you know, onto your creatures and, uh, and same, same with Shrix, right? Where, um, the creatures can fight, but Shrix's purpose is really to hang out in the battle line and spend Amber and the kind of joyous party and looks like Shrix is being celebrated and there's columns in the back. It's very, uh, uh, it, it reflects the attitude. I really feel like Senator Shrix yeah. has and celebrating and, with our money. Yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that is definitely an element we have to take in mind, at least, like I said before, we don't always know what the cards do. Even the art direction right. team doesn't always know because for a variety of reasons, it could be that a card changes between the time that the art brief was commissioned and it's finally released. The mechanics might end up being different or other little things like that. So we don't always have that much to go on. It's really mostly up to the developers to try to get those things across in the briefs. And if one of the art direction team is actually connected with the developers beyond what our normal role is, either through play testing or other things like that, we might get a slightly better idea of what's going on with each of these. But most of the time it's the brief that needs to get that information across. So I imagine whoever wrote the brief for tribute basically composed that scene in words and we did our best to guide the artist to pull that off, basically. There's a few degrees of separation more than I would like between the artist and the developer, but they have their reasons. Part of it's also is to insulate information, so it's more of a need-to-know basis. The artists don't need to know what every card does, otherwise they could potentially you know, compromise things if they wanted to. Right. But that being said, I would have loved to know what certain cards did while I was working on them. Yeah, certainly. Well, and speaking of cards you've worked on, um, I can't find any, do you have, you don't have any art in this deck, do you? No, unfortunately, no. It's my best deck and it doesn't have any of my stuff. <laughs> oh no. I was wondering if that was going to be like a little sad or like a nice escape, but it sounds, it sounds like it is. It sounds like it is a little sad. It, it is what it is. It's, it's so much fun to play that I, I don't think too much about that, but if I could trade right. my wormhole technician for a candle unit, I'd do it in a heartbeat. <laughs> of course, candle unit, another very good card. Another very good card. And and that brings us, I think, onto one of our, our favorite questions on the deck discovery episodes, which is if there was one card that you could put in this deck from anywhere else in Keyforge, doesn't matter what house, doesn't matter anything else, what would that card be and why? Any card, any house. Oh boy. 
I've looked at this a few times thinking if I could just change a few things, this thing would be unstoppable. Obviously, I want some Maverick and furnaces in there or something like that. I don't know. Um, I'd love to see a candle unit in there. I think the one thing that I would really have made this deck special for me would be a Cincinnatus Rex or something like that. That just would have been the icing on the cake and made it perfect for me. A really powerful card like that. Um, or even something smaller would have been nice, like, uh, let's say, a Ghost Hawk instead of a Deepwood Druid. I'd take that any day. Other little things, but yeah, I'd have to say it'd be Cincinnatus Rex. I'd want him in there, even if this doesn't quite play to all of his strengths. He's just so awesome. I want him there. Or what's that other guy, the one that lets you spend all the amber on your cards? Uh, Senator Brockus. Yes. The Saurian Rare, yeah. Yes, goodbye, Quester Jardis. Hello, Senator Brackus. I'll take that. <laughs> yeah, with uh, double tribute, city-state interest, oh my gosh, ancient power, and and then the Nepenthe seed. That could be, uh, yeah, that that could that could be nasty. That could be nasty. Okay, I take that back. They're definitely a Senator Brackus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Throw a key cheat in there, and then, yeah, this is, uh, oh man, oh man. I'll just be bonkers. Absolutely bonkers. Uh, is there anything, and I, uh, I I know, and I'm trying to think of answers myself because I know uh, maybe you haven't played with this deck enough to have a, an answer to this question, but Jar Goggle is always such a fun card to throw an out-of-house card under, and then in this deck you can blow it up with the Neutron Shark. Uh, are there, uh, from your play experience, are there any favorite cards to throw under Jar Goggle to try to play, to try to play kind of uh, out-of-house? More often than not, unfortunately, I kind of use that as a uh, way to pair out cards from my hand that I don't want. Sure. <laughs> and I'll put it kind of psych out my opponent. Because even just being able to do that is super helpful for Jargoyle. My opponent's worried about what it is, and I just got rid of a junk card and they don't know. Or right. something like that. But uh, yeah, being able to play Mimicry out of house would be potentially really useful, keeping it around there. Um, mm -hmm. Or of course city-state interest but that's usually better with the ancient power combo so i can't really pull that off or i could be really evil and put an unnatural selection under there there's there's lots of fun things that could fit under that little card <laughs> yeah certainly there's some uh yeah there's some good tricks with things underneath jar goggle because jar goggle gets tagged for destruction when when that card is played but he's still in play so uh like with unnatural selection um you could pick uh, you could still pick like three non jar goggle, uh, non jar goggle creatures. Yeah, there's yeah, there's there's some fun. There's some fun to be had there. There's some fun to be had there. Well, with all the fun stuff it has going on, I just love that I have a deck with both mimic gel and mimicry in it because that opens <laughs> up so many fun options. If your opponent's wielding some crazy powerhouse, I could copy an action and a creature from that deck. Oh, wow. It's just icing on the cake for an otherwise already very strong deck, but I have that kind of responsive capacity in there as well. So I don't know how many, I'm sure there's a decent handful of cards out there, decks out there with both of those, but maybe not one as strong as this. Just that adaptability, that flexibility for different situations. And I have to make my opponent think twice about a lot of things about playing certain cards at certain times because I might be just waiting to copy them. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. This is something that Danny Schaefer on this podcast, uh, Keyforge designer or Keyforge developer, 
has, has shared that we might be seeing a little bit more of in future uh, sets the the kind of interactions that you get with mimicry and mimic gel. So very excited to see how that pans out because those are fun cards. Yeah, and and like you said, they change completely depending on the the matchup. Like there's uh, essentially there's two cards in this deck that can you just kind of <laughs> hit the keyforge randomness wheel to see what they get to be uh, if you're going to target an enemy creature with mimic gel uh in in a new matchup. So yeah, that that is really cool. That is really cool and that just really kind of opens up this deck to any number of possibilities uh depending on the matchup. I love that. It's a beautiful fun deck every time I pull it out. I just have a blast playing with it. It's um it's got some really tasty combos in it. Some really tasty combos. And I think, Zach, as you said, it's just that adaptability to different scenarios. Um, I get the feeling it would be a di- feel like a different deck every game you play with it. Well, if you ever want to take it for a spin on the Crucible, have at it. <laughs> Fantastic. I might just take you up on that offer, Steve. Um, and maybe many of our listeners will too. So um, that's very exciting. But it, it has really been a joy to have you on the show. Um, thank you for taking your time out uh, time out of your day to, to do that because I realize between uh, illustrating and and art directing roles. Uh, your your life sounds pretty busy at the moment, but um, I hope it's been a nice break to talk about Keyforge. Oh, definitely. I mean, I've had times where I've just looked at my deck list and I just amazed by all the different little connections there, and being able to kind of talk it out with you guys on a platform like this has been a blast. Uh, so, Steve, where can people go if they want to see some of your art and maybe want to get a playmat of some of your art or or something along those lines? Um, if you'd want a playmat, the website for that is balancesheetstore.wordpress.com. I have most of the cards that I've worked on available there. Um my portfolio would be my art station link, which I can give you guys to leave in the description. And if you want to reach out to me for any other reason, um, my email address is balance501 at gmail.com. Awesome. Awesome. Um, those two links will be below to your listener. So you can check out Balance Sheets Art, Steve's Art after the after the episode and uh, maybe get yourself a nice play mat because some of that art is absolutely gorgeous um if you are enjoying call of discovery please do subscribe on your podcast app of choice if you're new check out the new player guide on archon arcana it's fantastic and it gives people all the tools they need to get started in this wonderful game if dear listener you're looking to support us monetarily please visit our patreon link below where you can sign up to support us monthly and enjoy rewards like our Discord, uh, where we get many of the topics and questions for the show, and also Beyond Discovery, our Patreon-only podcast series, of which there are now three whole episodes. Um, there is there is song, there is dance. Okay, maybe there's no dance, but you know there's all sorts there. Uh, let us know what you'd like to see more of or less of in future shows. Um, and you can check us out on Twitter or you can send us an email at podcast at callofdiscovery.com. But most importantly, 
Do you think a friend would enjoy this podcast? Well, why haven't you told them yet? Have you answered the call of discovery?